0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are kicking off a brand new series, and it is called Love Where You Live. The art of neighboring, because there's an art to it. There's an art. <clears throat> there's an art form to neighboring. You know, this is kind of a play on words. This uh, this uh, series title here for the month of March. That I want you. I want you to love where you live by loving where you live. You know what I mean? Like I want you to enjoy where you live by loving the people that live around you. I want you to be a good neighbor, and you know, there's an act to that. There's a knack to being a good neighbor. Cassie and I have been blessed that where we live right now, honestly, we have the most amazing neighbors on planet Earth. But um, Because we know everybody's names there. Everybody's so friendly and welcoming and helpful. But not all neighbors are created equal. Okay? They're just not. And who who in here, just raise your hand, okay? I'm not going to call you out or anything. Who in here has ever had a bad neighbor before? (laughs) None of, y'all just, oh, Esther County's, okay. Y'all didn't grow up in Florida, okay? Like, y'all need to grow up in Florida where people have Jiffy store feet. You know what I'm talking about? They got Jiffy feet coming in your front door and nobody else just, well, let me tell you about an experience I had one time with a bad neighbor. I remember there was one specific neighbor when I was young, I was growing up, I was in elementary school. Now, we had some really good neighbors growing up. Like, there was ones that, you know, you could, I knew that if I ever had trouble and my dad wasn't home, I could run next door and knock on their door. But there's one particular bad neighbor that we had, and I'm going to use his real name because he probably doesn't remember me from Adam. Uh, we had one really bad neighbor that his, his name was Buddy. Like, that's, na- that an, if anybody's name here is, is Buddy, okay, I apologize in advance. But Buddy was a handful like buddy he was he was just a year younger than me but man he was buck wild like he just i don't know from from 5 a.m. It seemed like till way after. So he was just going 100% full bore all day. He was always running through everybody else's yards. He was taking stuff out of people's yards. He was coming. I don't know if y'all did this around here, but he came in everybody else's yards and came and drank out of everybody else's hoses. Just for whatever reason, buddy was just rolling up in there, whatever time he wanted to, picking up the hose and taking a drink. We're like, "What are you doing, buddy? You're just, you're just, you're wild and." And so I was, uh, I was a pretty compassionate kid growing up. I, ch- I, got, I got hardened to the world a few years later, you know what I mean? But, but growing up, I was, a, I was pretty compassionate and I tried to befriend Buddy. It didn't go so well. He, he, he didn't really have anybody in his life for obvious reasons. Like, he, just, he, was, he was just wild and, and nobody wanted to be his friend. So I was like, well, Buddy, I'll be your friend. I'll, let's hang out, let's do this. And, and I remember... I tried my hardest. I really did. I tried as hard as I could to be good to Buddy. And, but I remember this. It, this happened multiple times, okay? What I'm about to tell you, this happened multiple times. He would just run over. He, he would just run over to our house and he would open the door wide open. Like, we didn't keep it locked. He would open the door wide open, no invitation. He would just run over and open the door wide open. He'd scream out, y'all in here? Like, y'all come play? I'm like, buddy, you can't just come over to somebody's house and open the door. And my dad told him multiple times, don't do that, buddy. Like, I'm going to treat you as an intruder, buddy. Don't do that. And uh, he, I remember one time he came over and... Um, <clears throat> My father has passed from this earth, so don't hold it against him. But Buddy opened the door, and he screamed, Y'all come play. And before you knew it, there was a big old new balance, because he's a dad. There was a new balance that was hurtling towards him as fast as could be, and he slammed that door shut real quick. He never did that again. But Buddy was wild, and he was, he was just not who I'd say. Good neighbors don't barge into other people's houses and, and demand them to come out to play. Or else is what it seemed like. Just like, buddy, bad neighbors, they're hard to handle. They're hard to handle. But you know what really blesses somebody? Good neighbors. Like, good neighbors bless people. You, the, the kind of people that you love to live near. And, and you don't really... Have to like wait strategically in your car until they uh, aren't outside anymore before you have to make your move to the front door. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys don't raise your hand if you're sitting beside them or anything, but but like you got to wait in your car, just kind of texting your phone to where they go inside, and then you can finally go inside, or um, you don't have to pretend to be on the phone when you're walking by, just talking away so that they don't talk to you. You guys don't do that, just it was just me. That's fine. Don't play like you haven't done it before though. Like I know you have. I know you've pulled the move before. But good neighbors are hard to come by, but everybody loves to have them. Like good neighbors are hard to find, but everybody loves to have a good neighbor. And we're framing this series around the idea that the simplest place to make a difference in the world right now is starts in your own neighborhood. It's not a coincidence that you live where you live. Like if you ask me, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't I don't believe that they even happen. I personally take the frame of mind that there are no coincidences in my life, that every single event is ordered before me and it contributes to my future. So using that perspective, I can say this with confidence that you live where you live for a reason. You live where you live for a purpose. And so you should be purposeful. You should be purposeful. So you have the potential to make a difference in people's lives starting in your own neighborhood, starting on your own road, starting in your own section of town, starting in your own community. And many times when we focus on making the world better, we neglect the ones that live closest to us. We neglect the ones that we're closest to. And I'm really excited for this series because I think we need to be the best neighbors that the world has to offer And you have a great opportunity to take what you learn here, to go befriend some people. And then you get get to do stuff like inviting them to the incredible Easter extravaganza in just a little over a month that's happening. Where we're going to have over 10,000 Easter eggs. And we're going to be dropping eggs from a helicopter like a bunch of crazy people. Then even more importantly, you have the opportunity to invite them back to church on Easter morning. By the way, people are four times more likely to accept an invite to Easter Sunday and to Christmas than any other Sunday. So you have two Sundays a year that like people are like 400% more likely to say yes to your invitation if you'll just ask them And here's the reason why we want you to invite people here. Not because we want to fill up our building. Not because we want to be the biggest church in town. But because we know that we have the answer for whatever they are searching for. And we want to help them find it. You have access to a cure for whatever people are searching for. Whatever is hurting people, you have access to the cure. And because of that, we have a responsibility to share it with them. Easter is going to be awesome. Easter is going to be real fun. They're going to have a great time. And it's somewhere you can invite them to this church and you can trust. We're going to take care of them. We're not going to get all freaky and and weird them out and they're bolting out the door. We're just going to have a great time. We're going to share the good news with them. We're going to share the gospel, maybe like they've never heard before in their life. But it's all about, can we be a good neighbor? Can we represent Jesus well? Can we invite them to come here on Easter weekend? And as we get into today, the title of the message, as we kick off this series, the title of the message today, um, (coughs) excuse me, you can see right there on your message notes, the title of the message today is, like a good neighbor, somebody said it, I knew it, I knew it was coming, somebody said it, like a good neighbor, you have message notes as you came in that are in that packet, I would encourage you guys to take notes today today. It's going to be a good one, one you want to hang on to um, and do like one of my good friends did. He bought one, he bought a little, uh, his wife bought him a little uh, notebook, a little half size notebook, and he has them in there every single week. He's missing one. He's missing the one from February 8th, I think, something like that. But I need to get it to him. But anyway, Keep your notes. They're good for you to reference a year from now or whatever. But here is the big idea for the message today. The very first point there on your message notes. The big idea for the message today is this. A good neighbor is hard to find. So be one. A good neighbor is hard to find. So be one. Make yourself one. The world needs us to set a standard here. The Bible actually addresses this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is teaching and he's addressing his disciples. He had just sent all of his disciples into towns in the area. He, he sent them out and he was, um, they had, but he was about to go travel to them. So he sent his disciples first and he had instructed them to go to these towns to heal the sick there and then to tell them that the kingdom of God had come near to them. And so they went out. There's there uh, 72, uh, 72 of them. They went out. And they, they did that. They returned back to Jesus. And they had so much joy about the things that they had experienced when they were gone. They had so much joy. They're like, did you know this happened? This happened. And they're just, they're just the, the, the energy is high. And they're coming back to Jesus. And in this teaching time, Jesus sits them all down. He says, okay, let's talk about it. He sits them all down. And this lawyer stood up while Jesus was teaching. And he asked him, What he needed to do to experience the life that Jesus promises. The kind of life that Jesus promises. And this is how Jesus responds. Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 26. Jesus said, What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, the the lawyer answered, Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And when he says live here, it's not just like if you don't do it, you're going to die. What he means is if you want to experience the life that God is really truly has for you, it starts with loving God with everything that you are and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Those two are tied in together. He said, do this and you will live but then he wanted, he wanted to justify himself. The man wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, oh, and uh, who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus doesn't answer the question with a sentence. He answers with a story. And he says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, a priest, but he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And that's like, that's a lot of money, okay? That's, that's worth quite a bit of money, two denarii. And he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the lawyer that was the expert in the law, uh, he replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This is a really famous story that Jesus tells here. In fact, the term Good Samaritan, you've probably heard it even if this is your first ever time in church. You've probably heard this term, Good Samaritan. And it was coined because of the influence that this story had on The term. That term was coined because of this story. We see in this story multiple people walk by this man that was in a bad spot. He was robbed. He was beaten. He was bloodied. He was dirty and he was left for dead. And then among the people that pass by on the other side of the road, we see two people, a priest and a Levite that passed by on the other side of the road, and and, and everybody that was sitting around and hearing this story was listening to this and probably thinking to themselves when Jesus said that, oh, these people will for sure help. And this is why. Because these are the religious people of the day. The priest and the Levite. These were the religious people. And so they're definitely going to help. A a priest and a Levite. A Levite, you know, a priest is obviously like, you know what a priest is, but a Levite is someone that, that... served in the temple they were one of the temple workers so these people were the closest people to God's presence and yet they passed by on the other side of the road but neither the priest nor the Levite they neither of them stopped to help instead a Samaritan came along and a Samaritan. I'll tell you some of the cultural backstory of this of the Samaritan. This is shocking to people. This is almost scandalous to the people that are listening. That a Samaritan would be the one to help because a Samaritan was looked down on by the people in the Jewish society. They they looked down on him because their bloodline. They they didn't consider their bloodline to be a pure Jew because they lived somewhere else and they were integrated into different populations, different people groups. So they looked at a Samaritan, and they would rather spit on him, like they would they wouldn't even spit on him if they were on fire. Like that that was the that was the way that they viewed Samaritans. And so when Jesus said there was a Samaritan passing by, people probably scoffed, well, pff, he's surely not going to help the person. But then he went to him and he and he took care of them. But this Samaritan, no one was listening. They, they expected him to help. Nobody did because they, this guy didn't fit into the right frame. He didn't, he didn't fit into the right. Let me say this. It, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. It doesn't matter what you wear to church. God still wants to use you to make a difference in people's lives. In fact, God wants to use the people that nobody would expect. So you're like sitting there thinking God would never use me. He doesn't know. The world doesn't know what I've done. I've done this, 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 and this. You're exactly who God wants to use. God wants to use the outcast, the outlier, as the person to to make the change. Because this is what it says in the Bible, that God uses the foolish things of the world To confound the wise. The things that nobody else understands. Like why would God use that person? He could have used anybody. Why would God use that person? So I don't care what they told you. Whoever they is to you. Whoever they are, sorry. Whoever they are to you. I don't care how they looked at you. I don't care what they said. God wants to use you. But this Samaritan, he walked by on the same side of the road. He picked this man up. He cleaned off his wounds. He set him in a place where the guy would be able to heal, all while paying the cost that was associated with it too. This man, this Samaritan man, he was a good neighbor. He didn't have to do anything. He wasn't obligated to do anything, but he chose to he chose to and i want that for you i want you to throughout this series to think about how can i be a good neighbor to those that i cross paths with how can god use you to bless your community a good neighbor is hard to find so be one so be one and I want to say, when we talk about a good neighbor, I'm not talking just about the people that live on your road. It absolutely starts there with the people that live on your road, but that's not where it stops. Like, I'm talking, when I use the term neighbor, I'm talking about anybody that you pass, anybody that's in your circle of influence, anybody that you work with, anybody that you cross on a daily basis, anybody that you just encounter at the store, the grocery store, or you, you're, you're standing in line at the twin and, you're, and somebody's next to you. Like, everybody that you encounter. That's your neighbor. And so what are you going to do to bless them? What are you going to do to make their life better? So using that story of the Good Samaritan, let's talk about three traits of a good neighbor as you're taking notes this morning. Three traits of a good neighbor. Number one, a good neighbor has mercy in the mess. Has mercy in the mess. People's lives, believe it or not, have a tendency to get messy. And that's one of those things about life that the longer you live, the the, the the more less than preferable situations that you find yourself in throughout life. Like you would not prefer to be there, but life gets a little bit messy sometimes. People's lives get a little bit messy. And I, I heard someone say this one time that you either just got out of a storm, you are currently in a storm, or hold on Because you are about to be in a storm soon, like people's lives go from mess to mess to mess, and they try to manage the part in between. And we need to have mercy in their mess. We need to have mercy sometimes to ourselves in our mess. But this is what society does. When most of society will do this, when the mess happens in people's lives, they're just going to turn their they just turn their back. They just turn their back because they can't deal with it. They can't, they can't deal with the energy that it's going to take to try, try to put up with the mess of some people's lives. And so they'll walk away. Everyone is fine in their life as long as everything is going fine. As long as everything's going fine, we're best friends. But then when, when they're down on their luck, maybe when you're down on your luck, you find out real, really quick who's there for you. You find out who's truly there for you when you're you're going through it yourself. And can I say this, that we need to be somebody that is there for people no matter what the circumstance is. No matter how messed up their life has gotten, don't run from them. Run to them. Run to them. You you can do something about it. You can help them. All, All they need probably is just somebody to endure it with. Like, have somebody that they can... sit. Here's what the Bible says about it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. Don't just carry your own. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. A good neighbor helps to bear the burdens of other people. A good neighbor doesn't bail in the mess. A good neighbor bears the burden in the mess. Like... Don't bail on them. Help them. Stand by them. The Samaritan in this story could have taken one look at this man and seen how dirty and how beaten and how bloody he was, and he could have turned away. because yeah, I don't want to get that on my robes. But he didn't. He wasn't worried about, can that person's mess get on me? That's what we think sometimes, right? Like if I, wait a second, if I associate too closely with them, like you heard about what they're going through, right? If I associate too closely with them, are people going to think that I'm going through it? Nobody, no. God doesn't care about that. This Samaritan, he said, I don't care if my robes get messy. I'm going to have mercy for this man. I'm going to have mercy in the mess. He ignored it. It's about mercy, It's about about understanding that even if, listen, even if they did something to end up in their own mess, even if they brought it on themselves, mercy says, I'll cover you anyway, even if it's your fault. Mercy says, I'll stand with you anyway. Mercy says, I'm here for you through it all. And why can we do that? Why, why do we have the ability to do that? Because God did it for us. Because God first did it for us. The Bible says that even while we were just sinners, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were in our own mess, deserving everything that we got, Jesus had mercy for us. Even when we're at our lowest point, Jesus had mercy in our mess. He showed us mercy when we, when we didn't deserve it. And he continues to show mercy when we haven't earned it. And because God showed me mercy in my mess, now I've experienced it. And I can share it. And now that I've experienced God's mercy, I have the opportunity to share it with other people. So God's mercy to me becomes God's mercy through me. The world needs more. The world doesn't need more people to scoff and to say they got what they deserved. They brought it on themselves, it was coming to them. No, the world needs merciful people. The world needs merciful people to stand up and say maybe they did deserve it. I don't care. I'll help them anyway. I'll be here anyway. A good neighbor has mercy in the mess. They stand apart by having mercy in the mess. Number two, a good neighbor covers the cost. A good neighbor covers the cost. You know, God calls us to be radically generous people. Radically generous people. We give sacrificially, because God taught us what it means to give sacrificially. In fact, this is one of the family values. We have four family values here at Summit View. Big, big fun, bold faith, radical generosity, and unconditional love. This is one of our family values that we hold closest to who we are. That we are a radically generous church. we are wildly unselfish in our serving and in our giving. And we don't take this responsibility lightly. And I urge you, don't take that responsibility lightly in your life either. If you have more than you need, then you have more than enough to bless other people around you. And if you have more than you need, it's because God is calling you to bless others around you. Like He's calling you to it. There's a reason you have more than you need, because it's meant for somebody else. In fact, here's the responsibility that Scripture gives us. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 17, it says this. It's very clear. You can't misinterpret this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but does not have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech but with actions and in truth if you have material possessions, if you have all that you need and you see somebody that is truly in need and you don't find a way to help them, the Bible uses this really strong language here But how can the love of God be in you? Don't get mad at me. Don't send me emails. I didn't write it, okay? This is is not my words. This is God's words through the Apostle John. Like, if you see someone in need, that is truly in need and your heart isn't moved with compassion to where you want to help them, how can the love of God be in you? Don't let yourself live off of your intentions. We're going to talk about that more in part three of this series, but your love is proven by action. Your love is proven by action. So what can you do? What can you do Find ways to be radically generous to those people around you. And it doesn't just mean the amount of money you've got. You can find a way to be radically generous in a way that that they've never seen before. Find ways to cover the cost for them. Be the person that picks up the bill at the restaurant, like that that people have to fight to get the ticket out of your hand. Be that kind of person. Pay other other tables bills at the restaurant without them knowing about it. Go to the grocery store. Pay for another person's cart in front of you. Pay for the person's cart behind you. You go to the store and you see somebody struggling to count change out. Tell them to put the change back in their pocket. Cover the cost for them. They're they're obviously in a place where they need some help. And you can help. Help. Let them keep their change and pay for it. You know, money is one of the greatest tools that we have been given to help us make an impact in someone else's life. So use it as that. Use it as a tool. Use money as a tool to show the goodness of God to other people. And I'm telling you, if if you'll do that, not only will it bless them, but it will bless you. Proverbs says, a generous person prospers. Generous people prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Jesus said this. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the word blessed here, I know, like the word blessed here just means happy. It means happy. I know you're waiting for a more spiritual word than that, but it's not. The word blessed here means happy. That you'll be happier if you're radically generous. Generous. You live a happier life when you're generous to people, when you're giving. So be a good neighbor. Cover the cost. Then finally, number three, a good neighbor goes the extra mile. They go the extra mile. This is the difference maker between who you could be and who most people are. anyone can begrudgingly help someone anyone can take care of a need for somebody but you but I, but I know you I know you and, and I know that you're the type of person that wants to do more the type of person that, that the type of people that change the world are the ones that go above and beyond expectations they go the extra mile going the extra mile that's, a, that's another term that was coined from something that Jesus said here like you, you've heard the term probably in your life man I, they really went the extra mile for me there it's, a, it's coined because of what Jesus said here isn't it amazing once you start thinking about it how much of our culture is even unknowingly shaped by the culture of heaven it's awesome but here's what Jesus says in chap- Matthew chapter 5 this is some of the most challenging passages that you'll ever read in your, in your entire life in your Bible. But also, these are some of the most impactful teachings of Jesus that, that we have recorded for us. And if you'll listen to them and if you'll apply them, this will change your life. If you just, Matthew chapter 5, if this was the only, one of the only passages that you ever read again, your life would turn upside down if you followed what it says. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Even those that, listen, even those that make you go one mile, the ones that force you, the ones that twist your arm, the ones that manipulate you, the ones that blackmail you to go one mile, Jesus gives you direction. Go one more. Go one more. What a flex, right? Like, What a flex that Jesus has. Like, they say, hey, you want to, okay, you're going to manipulate me into this one, but I'm going to bless you in the next steps. My first step may be manipulated, but my second step's all by choice. And this is for your enemies. What does that say about your neighbor's? If you knew that you could impact their eternity, how far would you go? How far would you go? I'm saying here, whatever it takes, we will do anything short of sin to reach somebody that's far from God. That's why we'll we'll rent a helicopter and drop thousands of Easter eggs. Because whatever it takes... That's why we'll give away grills and we'll, we'll bless our community with, with just stupid stuff. That's why, we'll, that's why we'll pay for people to go to the hippie hut and we'll cover your bill for this two-hour window. What, what, why? Because whatever it takes, because whatever it takes, we'll do anything. <coughs> Excuse me, that was terrible. We'll do anything short of sin to reach somebody that is far from God and I'm going to say this because I know you can handle it, when you gave your life to Jesus you relinquished the right for comfort you relinquished the right to a selfish life you relinquished the right to the me first lifestyle there's a cost Jesus said to following him and it's this That before you ever become his disciple, you have to first deny yourself. Before you ever pick up that cross on your own, you have to first deny yourself. you got to get right in your own heart and say, "It's, it's not me first going forward. It's you first. Going one mile with someone because they made you. That's child's play when it comes to what God is actually calling us to do. God is calling you to an above and beyond lifestyle, to a second mile lifestyle. And it's not just for the people you dislike, it's for them too. But at work, are you doing the bare minimum? Or are you going above and beyond to do a good job and bless your co workers? At school, Are you doing just enough to get the passing grade? Or are you giving it everything that you've got to achieve success? At home, is your family getting your scraps? Or are you making sure that even if it means you're going to bed exhausted, that you're gonna be a blessing to your family today? Are you just coming to church? Or are you being the church where you live? Where you work, where you play? Are you just getting by or are you going above and beyond? Have you ever thought about just mowing your neighbor's yard while you're mowing yours? Just slip on over and mow theirs too. Have you ever thought about maybe baking two pies instead of just the one and going and giving one away? Have you ever thought about, this is crazy, okay, don't don't kill me. Have you ever thought about buying uh, two dozen eggs instead of one dozen eggs? and given one away I know sacrificial generosity is what we're called to okay there's nothing more generous than eggs right now I know I'm getting crazy up here but listen the first mile is responsibility the second mile is a privilege the first mile is an obligation the second mile is an opportunity can we be a church full of second-mile people? We serve a second mile God. Second Corinthians chapter 5. It's not going to be on the screens, but I'll read it to you. It says, God who made him who had no sin, God, who Jesus who had no sin, God made him to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't just pay for our sin. He became our sin. See, what used to happen was for the Jewish people, the Jewish high priest would sacrifice a lamb once a year to cover the sin of the people. And once a year, it's called the the Day of Atonement. And once a year, they would sacrifice another lamb to cover the sins of the people from that year. But the book of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest that in Jesus is better That we have a high priest that didn't just offer a sacrificial offering to cover our sin. We have a high priest that became the offering for our sin. And not just to cover it, but to completely eliminate it. He didn't just cover your sin. He got rid of it. He went the second mile to destroy what separates you from God. And now, he offers you a life of freedom. Jesus offers you a life of fulfillment. Jesus offers you a life of victory. And all you've got to do is accept it and live in it. Listen to me. Everybody look me in the eyes right now. Everything that you're searching for can be found in Jesus Whatever it is you're searching I know you're searching Everything that you're searching for Is found in Jesus If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me If you're searching this morning I want to let you know you found it It's not this church It's not this awesome pastor up here His name is Jesus. In whatever it is that you're searching for, you found your answer. And he doesn't make himself hard to get to. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.